Spirit's going to show up uh, in amazing ways. Uh, yes, and I am happy to begin to introduce you to someone some of you may know. Uh, great history here at Whitewater, Danny Siamara. Um, he is the husband of a beautiful lady called Amber who straightens him and keeps him in line, which is a full-time job. Once you hear him and meet him, you'll understand that. Three young dudes who also keep their home rocking and rolling, Luca, Marco, and Giovanni, and they're here with him today right down front. But yeah, great family. Danny really has uh, spent a lot of time doing a lot of things for the kingdom since he kind of got switched over to Jesus Christ. And he'll share a little bit of his story today with you. And that way, currently, he and Amber are leading Kingdom Learners, uh, which really is an organization that is dedicated to helping prepare and equip the bride of Christ, the church, to be disciples, life-on-life discipleship. So really, this morning, as you listen, as you hear from Danny, you'll see uh, very much why he's here. He's a part of our network, the Hope Network, but more importantly, he exemplifies who we are going forward. It's about discipleship. It's about one-on-one, learning and building up and training the church so that we all can be dispersed. And he does what we're doing, sending and supporting disciples by their life calling, God-given calling, so that they can go and do and be what they are in their neighborhoods, in their networks, wherever they're at. And that is our goal as well as their goal too. And so, Danny, come on up. Welcome. Welcome back. Even though a lot of the things happened, didn't really happen on this stage. They happened over in phase one on the other stage in your life. Yeah, this wasn't here. But nonetheless, also too, just want to up front here today as we kind of unpack the service and kind of go forward and let God lead as we continue on really our theme uh, of the parables and the forgiving or the unforgiving servant, the wicked servant today. He's going to unpack that for us in a lot of ways through life stories. But really up front, just want to share a little bit about Kingdom Learners. Uh, You and Amber are doing some great things there. Uh, I know God is using you in a lot of ways. I know there's some opportunities also coming up in the near future that I I just want us to be aware of. Uh, So let's just take a look at this video, and then you can fill us in. Thank you. First, refuse nuka sastusi supozohetier. Frika, dushimi, de laknia. Tik riur per mushum. Tik riur ties piesen in historie mut mave. Is the historis apparentis. Chito showim sto personas sto rugis, no sto com, to prietoin dashurin apparentis, the puchine Jesusit. Spresa, chelimi, rushimi. Netot mlide mi to da coin perentin de tanyohimata. This is a, a crusade, an opportunity, yeah, that is actually happening, if you didn't figure that out, in Albania. Yes. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about what's going so on. So that's here. really cool. I, I've been invited to come speak at a crusade, and we're going to go out and evangelize to the communities of Albania and talk to Muslim men and women. Uh, it's a war-torn nation, so it's a very hopeless place. It's very poor. It's very impoverished. And we're going to go into the streets. We're going to worship. We're going to love on people. And then we're inviting them to a crusade that I, I've been asked to speak at. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, we're also, I'm, I'm going to India in October. We're doing some church planning and building a school 
of discipleship and ministry there, uh, possibly going to New York to do some things. But before we get to where we're going, let's talk about what we have here. My wife and I run a place in Reading, Ohio, and it's a place to equip and train the bride of Christ. We, we are teachers. I was a professor and coach and teacher for many years, and so was my wife. So we love to teach people the Word of God. We absolutely love it. Like, this is, this is where it's at, folks. So we do that as well. <clears throat> and up on the screen, too, I think you'll see in the next few moments, just some different ways to connect with Danny, Kingdom Learners, the website, different ways. Uh, also is a, a QR code there. Tell us a little bit more about ways that we can be involved. As you heard me say earlier, uh, Danny obviously has a history here, <laughs> and he really exemplifies being sent out, and he's on mission, he partners, he's part of the Hope Network. Our Hope Network here, so we're excited about that. So kind of how can we be supportive of you as you go to Albania, India, et cetera, et cetera, this year? Uh, prayer. <laughs> we need lots of prayer. Um, that, that's important. Uh, pray for boldness and courage for me to go preach the Word of God to places that don't know about God. And uh, pray for my wife and kids because the first couple trips they're not going to be on. Um, we, do, we do family ministry, by the way. They've traveled with us all over the place. But uh, going overseas, there's still 12, 9, and 8. So pray for my wife, pray for my children. And then also, if you find it in your heart to, to give to our ministry, it's simple. You can click or just look at that QR code thingy. I'm, I'm not very good with technology. That's why I have people around me. But uh, that QR code will allow you to, to see. And uh, believe it or not, uh, we are not paid for what we do. We go in belief and faith and trust and hope in the one that provides. His name's Yahweh Jireh, and that's what we rely on. So if you want to partner with that, I know, right? If you want to partner with that with us, uh, you can easily give to our ministry. I can't get overseas without God providing. So uh, our family, everything comes to us by way of heaven. So if you want to join heaven today, we would welcome it. Woo, that's a great invitation. Join heaven, baby. Yeah, come on in. So you can use that QR code, or in fact, if you just are the check writing error, you can feel free, and you'd love to do that, write a check to Kingdom Learners. You can just leave it in the blue boxes in the back, uh, as well as after service. Danny will be available uh, out in the hallway on the landing. You can feel free to talk to him more there as he shares a little bit more about his life and things that are going on. And if you want to be a part of that or just encouragement or just a prayer for him and what God's got going on, that would be super and that'd be great. So thank you, Danny, for thank coming, you so much. sharing your heart. Appreciate it. <laughs> Will you give it up for Justin? <clears throat> it's not... Uh... It's not easy to be a leader in today's world. And uh, Jess, I just want to say this to, the, to your body right now. This man exemplifies what Jesus said when he said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Jess, you are the salt. And don't ever lose. Yeah, give, him, give God all the glory. Don't ever lose your saltiness, bro. Um, hey, I'm here. It's an honor to be here. And I, I want to um, I I wanna dive in. Uh, but before I do, can, can I ask you to come up here? My wife hates the stage. <laughs> Pray for me that she doesn't punch me. <clears throat> Come on up. Jess, do you have that handheld mic? There we go. One of the things that we have forgotten is that though we are many members, we form one body. We are one body. It's not somebody, it's all of us working together. My wife is the glue that holds us together. I always tell people, I'm the, the fancy sailboat you see above, but she's what anchors us. I'm the helium balloon flapping around up there. She's the anchor that makes sure I don't fly into an airplane. 
This is the anchor of our team. This is the, she is an intercessor. She's a prayer warrior. My wife will spend hours in the closet just asking the Lord to do something for us, our family, our city, our nation. She constantly is praying. So before I start yapping, I would love for her to usher in the spirit of the living God through her prayers. No pressure. <clears throat> Don't kill me. Come on over. You're all the way over there. Oh, you got a Bible? I'll stand by you then. Hmm. Heavenly Father, I thank you. for all your love, for all that you are. You are a good, good father. And you love us no matter how far we go, no matter how far we stray. Your love never changes and it never fails. In John chapter 11, when Jesus found out his friend Lazarus had died, he cried. And it just says, Jesus wept. And Lord, I feel your heart weeps for the bride of Christ. And we are down, but we are not out. We have fallen, but it's time for us to get up. Yes. And so I speak to the bride of Christ and I speak to Whitewater and to every individual in this room, and I say, Lazarus, come out. Come out and hear the word of the Lord. I prophesy to the dry bones, and I say, dry bones, get up and hear the word of the Lord. I prophesy to the breath, and I say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way in this room. Have your way in this place. We bind up every spirit of religion, every spirit of the angel of light, every spirit of the kingdom of darkness, and we send it out in the name of Yeshua. And we loose your truth in this room, Jesus. We loose the truth of Jesus Christ. I declare that you are the way, the truth, and the light. You are the life. Breathe life into these dry bones, Lord. Holy Spirit, come rest upon us. Bride of Christ, wake up. Arise and shine. The light has come and the glory of the Lord is shining on us. Lord, have your way with each one of us in this room. Break fallow soil where it needs to be broken. Plant seed where it needs to be planted. Pour out your living water. Yes, Jesus. On the soil that needs to be watered. And give life. Give life where life is so desperately needed. I pray that you would speak through Danny today. Give him the words. Give him your words of everlasting life. And may scales fall from our eyes. May our ears be open and may our hearts be softened and ready to receive. And I pray all this by the power of the blood and in the name and the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, Yahweh. We are yours. Amen. Amen.
Thank you. <laughs> my, uh, like I said, my wife loves to pray, and I love it so much because I need it. And today, I, it's so neat to show you videos of things. It's so neat to see the Lord sending us to New York or to Charlotte or to Albania or Greece. It doesn't matter. All that is awesome. But none of that is more special to me than being here today. This is where it all started for me. Some of you don't know me. I was a hopeless, angry, drug addict and, and atheist and alcoholic. I wandered the streets. My wife was praying for her future husband before she met me. The she was praying in September of 2007. I came out of addiction in 2007 in September. This is what I, when I, yeah, come on. When I talk about the power of prayer, the Bible says that the righteous, the power of a righteous man availeth much. There's availeth much in her. There's a righteousness in my wife's prayer. She prayed me all the way to this point. I'm not going to go into too much of the details of, of my testimony, but I am going to tell you that I started here at Whitewater. David Vaughn preached the prodigal son. I cried like a two-year-old baby. Paula sang Amazing Grace. I cried like a two-year-old baby. Um, I, I eventually came back to this church. I didn't say this in the first service, but I came back to this church uh, after I started reading this Bible, which, by the way, the words of everlasting life are right here. Everything you need is right here. I started reading it. It says in James chapter 5, if one of you are sick, go to the church, have the elders anoint you with oil and pray for you. So I'm, I'm like, I'm reading this. I look at Amber. I'm like, do they have elders at this church? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was an atheist for crying out loud. Yeah, they got elders. I was like, can you call them? Can they get together? The elders of this church got together. They prayed for me. And they laid hands on me. And it felt like there was a vortex of the Holy Spirit going around me. And on a day of Pentecost, it's worth talking about this. There's a Holy Spirit vortex going around me. They're praying for me. I go back to the doctor two weeks after that prayer night. I was down to 100 pounds from all the drugs and alcohol. I was bleeding from here, pyloric sphincter. The, I was everywhere that you had connections in your plumbing, it was bleeding. My stomach was ulcerated and it looked like, like ground beef instead of smooth tissue. They prayed for me. I went and got a scope done. Two weeks later, the doctor said, son, I don't know how to tell you this. I've been practicing medicine for 34 years. Great, I'm dead. <laughs> Thanks, doc. In 34 years, I can't describe what just happened. He shows me the picture. He's like, you got the stomach of an eight-year-old boy. Boom. Brand new stomach. The God of healing still exists today. For some reason, we said, oh, that, that was old God. That was when the apostles were horse hockey. This is, I'm living proof, man. So the Lord healed me from the inside out. And now the reason we're able to go to places like Albania is because for 15 years, I haven't shut up telling everybody about Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to unless they kill me. So, um, or he comes back. But anyway, uh, that's, that's how I got started in this church. I got baptized in this church. We got married in this church. And uh, this is a special place to me to be here today. I was discipled by some of the greatest people I know in the kingdom of God right here in this church. Like David Bond, like James Hansey. Uh, I, I mean, just the people poured into my life. James met with me every Friday, once a month. For years, we would go get breakfast. Once a month, on a Friday, we would schedule it, go get breakfast. And that man taught me discipleship. He taught me what it means to open your calendar, open up, have lunch, have breakfast, have dinner, and just do life with people. So we're able to have a ministry because we were first ministered to, and it started right 
here. So I'm just very thankful to be here. And uh, before I dive in, I I like to interact with people. Is that okay with you? Can we interact a little bit? Or I mean, some for some reason it's just been like, well, I'm at church today. <laughs> no, come on, man. Can we just make an agreement that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only reason that we're gathered here? Can we make that agreement? And because we're gathered here, we will forever be gathered there because he's our Lord and Savior? Take a look around. You're looking at eternity, folks. The people sitting next to you are the people that will be with you forever and ever and ever and ever because Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. So let's interact a little bit. What is all this kingdom secret stuff about? What have you learned? By the way, shout. Oh, boy. <laughs> Let me take a drink while you think about it. <clears throat> Anybody? Amen. Come on, dude. He's the only way. That's it. Do you want to know the secret to heaven? The blood of Jesus Christ that canceled all of our sins. The only way to get there is by him. That's it. The secret that I want to talk to you today before I get there is I want to take everything that's crammed inside of here and I want you to hear what I'm about to say. It's alive and active. It's not meant to be passive and dead. It's not meant to be sat and it's meant to be participated in, not witnessed. We need to stop witnessing. Oh, this is what it says in the Word of God. You know the difference between heaven and hell? Torture and life, right? <laughs> Thank you, son. My son knows. Here's, here's, here's the difference. You ready? Those that receive the Word of God, it was planted in their heart and they followed Christ. The Pharisees knew the word of God. It's not just to know, it's to live by it. This word needs to transform you from the inside out. When, when hmm, I'm going to start preaching now, and I'm sorry. When Matthew was a tax collector and he met Jesus, did he ever go back to being a tax collector? Why not? Because the heart of the Father convicted him and he could never be the same. When Mary Magdalene was a prostitute and she encountered Jesus, she was never called a prostitute again. It's done. It's buried by the blood of Jesus Christ and it's over with. It is finished. The old is gone. The new has come. When we, yeah, right? Come on, give it to the Lord. When we do these things, when I talk about this word of God, there has to be something inside of you that changes. Legion can't stay stuck to the wall cutting himself with stones. He encounters the risen, well, he encounters the living God before he's the risen God. And the living God, Jesus Christ, touches legion. All the demons are out of him, and he was never the same. He went from chain to the wall to out proclaiming the gospel in the ten cities. The word of God is meant to be ingested, digested, and transformed from the inside out so that you are never the same. And if you're still living the way you were, this is, this is I'm going to say it, uh, the church has done something dangerous by saying, come as you are. We should do that. Everybody should be welcome. But by God, we need to be discipling you that you, you never stay that way. Come as you are, but leave transformed, baby. Let's, let's never stay the same. The Bible is a story of transformation. 
I'm here preaching to you today not as a drug addict or an atheist because the living God touched the dead side of me, the death inside of me, and brought it back to life. You see, it says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Christ, have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. There's an abundant life in me because the dead stuff that the enemy tried to take away from me, he restored, he redeemed, and I'm alive here, and I'm never the same. I'm always changed because Jesus Christ has entered into my heart, and now, here's the fun part, now I get to die to myself and walk after him. I'll say it this way. The kingdom of God, the secrets that you're talking about, here it is. This word is meant to be a verb and not a noun. It's meant to be lived out and not just thought about. Matthew 6, 24 says it, 16, 24 says it this way. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus says, must do what? Deny himself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Listen to what I'm going to say to you right now. Denying yourself is a verb. Picking up your cross is a verb. Following him is a verb. For some reason, we have been taught that it's okay just to hear the word of God and never put it into practice. And what we've made is a foolish bride. The wise bride, and I'm sorry, I'm not yelling at you. I'm excited because the urgency of Christ's return is upon us. And it's time that we get this right. He's coming back for a bride and not a building. He's coming back for people and not the, the, what we have, the lights. And the, he's coming back for hearts, for a spotless bride. It's our job. It says in Revelation 19 that the bride made herself ready. That's a verb. Let me go back here real quick. Deny yourself. Once you encounter the living God, now you deny yourself the rest of your life. You take up your cross, which by the way is a death weapon, and then you follow him. Do you know that there's one thing that the enemy hates more than anything else, and it's the cross? It's because of the cross that we have eternity. It's because of the cross that my sins are forgiven. It's because of the cross that we can even have this. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that brings us together. The redemption of sins is because of the cross. So when the enemy comes to him in, in Matthew 4, this is what he says. Hey, 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 just bow down to me. You don't want to go through all this, do you? I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Just don't do it. Because he knows the power of the cross. And for some reason, in the bride of Christ, we have denied the power of the cross. It's our duty to deny self, pick it up, and follow him. We get to do this, folks. I'm so excited to share this with you because it's real. This book is meant to be transformative, not informative. Can I say that again? Transformative and not informative. Yes, you need to know, of course. But knowing without applying, what's the point? It's like having an owner's manual and never using it to build something. It's like, well, just stay in the box. It's like having a gym membership and never working out. Having a psychologist and never talking to him. That's what we do. This is so important to me. We need to stop thinking of the kingdom as something that just exists. No, we are citizens of heaven and we get to participate in it. Come on, that's good news. That's good news that we get to participate. He wants us to co-labor with him. Can you imagine that? Never understood it. The God of all creation always selects some weak, failing human being and says, I want to partner with you to fulfill my will. Think about it. Moses, oh, yeah, you remember that guy you murdered? No, I don't, because I've removed your sins as far as the east is from the west, and I want to partner with you. Will you partner with me? 
Take off your shoes. This is holy ground, son. We're going to do something. You're going to be forever changed and you'll never be the murderer again. You will be the deliverer of my people. Do you feel this? This is the gravity of the Word of God. It needs to be partnered with Him. It needs to be led by Him. And guess what? I'm going to say this to you. You can't do it by yourself. You can't. Oh, how do you know that? I've tried. I've done it all by myself. I do this. I do that. I do this. Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Depart from me. I never knew you. You can't do it alone because Jesus says, abide in me and I will abide in you. And apart from me, you can't do anything. We need to be in an abiding relationship with the one who set us free. And we need to be empowered by his living Holy Spirit to allow us to do the things that we can't do ourselves. Are you with me? Are you guys okay? Now, let's talk about the application for a minute. Before I get into forgiveness, we have to even set the stage with this book means you need to do something. You first are something, by the way. You're saved. You're set free. You're redeemed. And because of that, you ever, you ever notice we say it's by grace you've been saved, but we never say it's by grace you've been empowered to live like the king? Why do we stop at salvation and we don't talk about the rest of the story? It's by grace that you've been saved, and it's that same grace that empowers you to walk and follow the footsteps of our king. You can't deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him unless he empowers you with his grace to do so. It's an empowering grace, folks. All right, back to the kingdom secrets. Here we go. Thank you for going on that journey with me. Um, I'll say it this way. John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Finish it for me. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. What? Whoever follows me will never walk in dark. Who said that? Can you raise your hand? Yeah, can you raise your hand? Oh, there you are. Yeah, thank you. Whoever follows me. Do you hear the verb? Some of us are walking in darkness, claiming Jesus is our Savior, but not walking in his light. Fair? Matthew eleven twenty eight. <laughs> Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. <laughs> he didn't say, Come to church and I'll give you rest. Uh oh. Come to me. Come to me. We need an abiding relationship with him. Come to me, verb, and I will give you rest. Do you see the condition? Do you see how they're connected? If any of you lacks wisdom, Ask for it, and your father, who doesn't find fault, will give it to you graciously. The Bible says, ask and you shall seek, and you will seek me with all of your heart, and you will find me. Knock, and the, what is your part? Asking, seeking, knocking, this is part of what it means. We are to be citizens of heaven, and like I said before, you can't, you can't claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior and go back to being the tax collector. You can't claim him as your Lord and Savior and say, ah, that's all right, I'm going to go back to prostitution because it paid better. Right? We're, we're so quick to abandon the gospel so that we can live out something because we think that there's a worldly gain, but it's not. It's empty. It's, it's, there's nothing there. I'll say it this way. Yeah. When we get to be citizens of heaven and we live here on earth, there's something happens to us. We're so different, we're so transformed that people look at you and they're like, there's something different about you. So my family, for example, 
big Italian family. They came over. My grandparents didn't even speak English. It was, it was all broken, right? Could barely understand what they were saying. My mother's side came over a, a few generations, great-grandparents, I think. My, my grandparents on my dad's side, and uh, they came over to this country. When they got here, what'd they sound like? <laughs> Bleh! Nobody understood what they were saying. They sounded different. What did they eat? It was different. What did they, how did they walk? It was different. The way they talked. The lifestyle of my family was an immigrant family here in America, and they looked different. The kingdom of God is so that we are messengers sent from him to bring his will here on earth, and we should look different. We should have an accent. We should have words that sound different. We should have cultural things that are different. This is what we get to do because this book has empowered us. Is that not beautiful? The last empowering thing I want to talk to you about, and then we'll dive into some other scripture, is Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible or a phone or a neighbor, would you go to Matthew chapter 6? This is where we're going to start and go on a journey together. Matthew chapter 6 talks about uh, praying and fasting, and, and then it talks about forgiveness, the fun part. So if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, please get one. It's so good. And make sure that it falls apart because you read it so much that it's just like inside of you. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 14. Are you with me? I'll do the Southern Baptist. Can I get an amen when you're there? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Matthew 6, 14. It says, If you forgive men their sins, your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Matthew 6, 15. If you don't forgive men when they sin against you, your Father in heaven won't say it. That doesn't sound fair. The blood of Jesus is the ultimate forgiveness. That's called salvation. Sanctification is our job to work this out until we meet him again. And in sanctification, this is what happens. When you retain somebody's sins, the Lord will let you hold on to it. When you forgive the people that sin against you, he will bless you and they will be forgiven. That's what this means. But look at it again. Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive someone who sins against you, your brother, your father in heaven will forgive. Does it say you don't have to forgive them if they abused you? <laughs> Does it say if you were harmed, sexually assaulted, molested, beaten, uh, neglected, abandoned, you don't have to forgive them? Why not? I'll tell you why. Because forgiveness is a serious matter. I'm talking to you about simple principles. This is one of the only principles in the New Testament that I can think of that has a condition after salvation. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Confess your sins and he is faithful and just and will purify you of all unrighteousness. Your job is to confess. Your job is to forgive. Your job is to repent. Our job. Sorry, Father. Our job is to do all those things. But go back to 614. You don't understand. My, my father did this to me and did that to me and did that to me. And Jesus is like, oh, that's cool. I'm sorry that happened to you. Here's a get out of jail free card. He doesn't do that. Why doesn't he do that?
Because if I'm going to show the will of heaven here on earth, I need to act like him. I need to first receive his forgiveness, and then I can bring his forgiveness down. Do you understand this? So let me say it another way. Back up if you're in Matthew 6 with me. In verse 9. If you start in verse 9, it's one of the most famous things that every West Sider uh, that I know can utter. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9. Let's say this together. If you can't repeat it, that's okay. Uh, Just listen. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Come on. As we forgive those who sin against us. Okay. Amen, amen. That's the Lord's Prayer. That prayer was so important that Jesus Christ himself said, Father, send me. I'm going to go down and I'm going to teach him how to do this. These are Hebrew boys that are asking, how do we pray, Lord? Teach us how to pray. In Luke 11, 1, teach us how to pray. They're Jews. They've been praying their whole life since they were born. Why are they asking him to teach them to pray? Because the prayers of heaven when they're brought to earth, sound different. The recitation of prayer doesn't break the ground. It's the Holy Spirit that draws the prayer out. Jesus brought the rhema word of heaven here, and he showed them how to pray heaven on the earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's the will of heaven? What? Praise God. It's a place of worship. Tell me some more. What's the will of heaven? What? Salvation. Yes. What else? Somebody over there, that baby's got it. I got an interpretation on tongues for you. That right there said love. Thank you. What else? The will of what? Joy? Good. The will of heaven is that we would forgive. The will of heaven is that we would love one another, that we would embrace one another, that we would bear with one another when they do something stupid against us. The will of heaven says this, I choose to remember their sins no longer. I have removed them as far as the east is from the... That's the will of heaven. The blood of Jesus said once and for all, it's over. I, I teach this to my boys all the time. John 1.29 doesn't say, behold the Lamb of God who points out your sins. It says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The will of heaven is to remove the sins so that we can come before a holy God. And it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that can do that. That's why we must preach Christ until forever. We don't need to preach anything from a stage unless it's the blood of Jesus, the cross, and salvation over and over. And you can tie it to anything you want. You can tie it to forgiveness, repentance. I need to repent because I need the blood of Jesus to sanctify me and set me free. I need deliverance. I need the blood of Jesus to set me free. That's it. The will of heaven is that we would forgive. And this is how it works. The ticket to heaven. How do we get to heaven? The forgiveness of your sins, right? That's why Jesus says, go and preach repentance and the forgiveness of your sins. Anyway, it's the forgiveness of sins that brings me to heaven. And when I forgive my brother who sins against me, I take the will of heaven and I put it right here on earth. I'll say that again. When I forgive somebody who has raped me, beat me, abused me, neglected me, got drunk and I was a punching bag, all of those things. When I forgive that person and say, your sins are no longer remembered here, I bring the will of heaven here on earth. 
It's the Lord's prayer that we would do this. Sorry about that. Had a bad breakfast. It's the will of heaven that we would forgive. Do you understand how important this is? It's so important that the Father puts a condition on it. You forgive, I forgive. You set him free, I'll set him free. I'll set you free. Do you know right now that we're holding on to unforgiveness because somebody did something? First of all, it was despicable. It was disgraceful. It was awful. By God, some of the things that we have seen in our ministry, there was a young lady whose family, she was eight years old, and the family, the father and the mother, sold her into sex slavery so they could have money for crack cocaine. And that was, that, she opens up and shares this testimony. I'm like, that is awful. How do we possibly forgive that, Father? Your word says, if I forgive, if I let go, if I bless them and say that this sin no longer counts against me, that you're going to free them? Instead, this is what we do. That person hurt me so bad, they owe me something, right? I'm going to keep them in prison until they can pay it back. We put them in a spiritual prison. And guess what happens to them? They out there living their best life. <laughs> People that we're holding unforgiveness to, they're out there surfing and they got remarried. And that, There are people that I know that have been divorced that just want to speak death over their old partner over and over and over again. God bless you. I've been there. I get it. The kingdom of God, the will of heaven is not that we would do that. The will of God is that we would forgive them. There was a lady last week that we, we were at an event. She's been divorced for 30 years. She looked right at me, and she's like, and that's why I'm never getting remarried with that tone. And I was like, oh, God, I just felt, ooh, chilly willy. I'm never getting remarried. And I was like, you shouldn't until you forgive him. You're blaming him. See, this is the thing that happens is sometimes the misery that has happened to us is so comfortable that we can be the victim instead of being victorious in Christ Jesus. We can, we can hold on and retain the ugliness so much that we can cancel the forgiveness of Jesus Christ over someone. The blood, of, the blood on the cross covered every sin once and for all, buried, banished, and never to be retrieved again. And what do we do? We go out there looking for fossils like, well, look what they did this time, Jesus. Right? I'm guilty of it. I know you are. I've done it too. You dig it up and it's like, they did it again. How many times must I forgive? Oh, how about seven times 70? Oh, I don't like that. I'm digging up another one. And we tell the blood of Jesus that it's not powerful enough to set that person free. So we keep them in prison. They live their best life and we live a tortured life. You think I'm kidding? How many people have you seen that are holding on to unforgiveness that are healthy? Not many. Arthritis is, is we, we have found this out in the medical community that arthritis is linked to sometimes holding on to so much unforgiveness that it cripples the joints. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have a medical condition besides that, but what I am saying is that unforgiveness will only exacerbate the problem. I know, I know people that have stomach issues that have been holding on to something forever. They come to our house, they confess it out, and all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I can breathe. Yeah. Because you've been carrying around burdens that don't belong to you. The will of heaven is to say, whoop, here you go. We don't need that one anymore. And drop it off at the cross and let Jesus' blood cover it up because it's good enough. The cross is good enough. It has to be. It has to be or else we're living a futile life. You with me? We doing okay? 
So, forgiveness, the will of heaven. When we turn the other cheek, what are we manifesting, heaven or hell? Heaven. When we pray for those who harm us, heaven or hell? Come on. Come on, dude. Turn the other cheek. Bless them, it says. Pray for those who harm you. Do good to those who harm you. Are we doing this? Luke chapter 6 is pretty cut and dry. Love your enemies. I tell you the truth. You've heard it. Love your enemies. Are we doing this? These are, these are words of the living God that are here. This word, as I said before, is alive and active, not dead and passive. We get the opportunity to show the will of heaven to the people around us by how we let them go from their sins. And there's nothing more powerful. That's why I told you Satan spent most of his time trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross because he knew the power of the cross. That's why he met him in the desert. That's why he meets you and says, don't let go. It's like, it's like Emperor Palpatine, search your feelings, right? Turn to the dark side. Like that's what the enemy does over and over again because he knows that if you forgive them, they're free. He knows the word of God. He was in heaven when it was written. You think the devil and the, his demonic forces don't know this? They know it better than us. They know where there's access to it too. So if I can keep you in a place of unforgiveness, I can keep you under my thumb. Forgiveness sets you free, not the other person. It's for your good that you cancel the debt that somebody owes you. Come on, man. The will of heaven needs to, come on. The will of heaven needs to be here on earth. It needs to be here, and people need to see the living Christ through you. It's the time that we stop playing church and we start being the church. I mean this. The only re- I love going to prison and preaching. You know why? There's a desperation in prison. Nothing draws you to hope more than hopelessness. Nothing draws you to freedom more than bondage. The people in prison, you preach a message like this, and they're ready to rattle the cage, and the, the Lord's ready to break the door open, and they're ready to walk out. <laughs> I'll come out of that grave. That, they get that. We need to get to a place where we're uncomfortable with our sin and we're uncomfortable with unforgiveness forever. It's time that we let go of some things. Okay? Fair enough to ask? No. It doesn't really matter, does it? It's the the Word of God. So anyway, um, thank you for indulging me in this. And there's one more thing I want to point out to you um, before I go into the parable here. It's in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read this to you real quick. Paul goes in. If you've never read Romans, the Roman road of grace will set you free, man. Romans chapter 8 at the very end, Paul says this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You can't do it without him. You can't conquer this thing of unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment or anger without him. But with his love, you can overcome it. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, man. Nothing nothing can separate this. But there's something that I read one time. My wife pointed this out when we were praying. And she said, wow, I never noticed this. It says, neither the present nor the future can separate me from God's love, but it doesn't mention the past. Uh Uh-oh. 
When we choose to live in the past, we tell him that we don't need your love. My pain is, better, my pain is more comfortable than your love. I don't want to overcome the situation because I have my identity found in the fact that they hurt me, and now I get to walk around parading around my hurt to everybody. I've done that. Anybody else? I know I've done that. I wanted everybody. I wanted, in fact, the reason I became a drug addict and alcoholic is my parents got divorced, and I wanted them to suffer for it. What kind of nonsensical thinking is that? I punished myself hoping that they would be hurt by it because I was holding on to the past. <laughs> Come on, man. Isaiah 43, forget the things of the past. Do not dwell on them any longer. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. 2 Corinthians 5, the old is gone, the new has come. You're a new creature, a new creation. Be the new creation. The past is the past. It's buried by the blood of Jesus. Stop digging up the fossils, okay? Let's do this together. I'm preaching to myself right now. Thank you for being here. Uh, I, need, I need this more than any of you. But I also know something about my life. I have received the forgiveness of heaven more than most because I sinned against heaven more than most. The greater the sin, the greater the opportunity to receive the forgiveness. And Luke 7 says, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Luke 7 says, he who has been forgiven little loves little. When I look around my world right now, I see a lot of little love. And I would, I would be willing to bet that the culprit is unforgiveness. We love little because we forgive little. And we forgive little because we haven't realized how greatly we've been forgiven. When you recognize that the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is greater than any offense that's come against you, you can walk in the power and freedom of him. It says in the word of God that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. That power can forgive whatever happens to you. It says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That power that's in you is great enough to overlook the offense. It's great enough to cancel whatever anybody has done to you. And again, I'm sorry for some of the stories I've heard. I am deeply grieved by them. But man, I don't stay there more than a millisecond because I know the forgiving power of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. Good? One last thing I want to say about this, about forgiveness and holding on to things. How many of you have ever heard of Matthew 7 where it talks about the broad road and the narrow road? Raise your hand with me here. I've heard of that. Oh, good. I can talk about it then. The broad road leads to destruction let me say it this way. The broad road is comfortable. The broad road is filled with people who are eating, drinking, and being merry, as it is in the days of Noah, Jesus says. They are walking around comfortable, being in pain, comfortable with unforgiveness, comfortable in their hate. Do you know that unforgiveness will lead to resentment that leads to bitterness, that leads to anger, that leads to retaliation, that leads to you having violence in your heart towards somebody? You will murder a relationship because of unforgiveness. It starts there. We need to pluck the root. Broad road. Broad road is, guess what's welcome there? Bitterness, anger, resentment. Jesus says the narrow road, the narrow gate leads to life and only a few find it. I find that to be interesting and only a few people find it. Guess what happens on the narrow road? There ain't enough room for your baggage. You're walking around all this baggage and Jesus is like, nope, that's not going to fit through this passage. You take it off. That's not going to fit. That's not going to fit. I just want to hear, please hear this today. That narrow gate that you're going through is there to help you get rid of the excess baggage because it won't go with you. You can't take it to heaven and you can't bring the will of heaven to earth by carrying the baggage with you. Amen. Time to take the trash out. It's not, there's not enough room. There's not enough room. 
All right. Thank you for letting me get that out. Now, <laughs> Matthew, thank you. Matthew 18. You ready? If you have a Bible, please turn to Matthew 18. This is one of the most uh, convicting stories in the whole Word of God to me. It, it really, it gut punches me. And while you're turning to Matthew 18, can I just say thank you for your heart today? Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Sometimes we get to deliver messages. And like, you know, when I go to jail, it's so much fun because you get to talk about the freedom in Jesus Christ. But when you come and you see the bride is hurting and you can feel the Lord saying they're hurting because of this, I have to be obedient and share what he puts on my heart. The Holy Spirit guides my teachings, not me. Matthew 18. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. I, uh, I shared this with the first service. In the, uh, in the old days, in the Hebrew teaching, you were really pious. You were really religious if you could forgive somebody three times in one day. Peter's like, I'm going to be a super student, Jesus. How about I do it seven? And he's like, <laughs> how about seven times 70? Peter, you want, you want this life of forgiveness? This is what it means. You will forgive them over and over and over. My son said to me the other day, but dad, it just, they, the same things keep happening. Forgive it. Forgive it. The condition on here is to con continually do this. <sighs> Jesus answered, I tell you, seven times 70. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Do you know that there's a king coming back to settle your accounts? Yeah, there's a king in heaven that's coming back right now to settle the accounts. He's going to say, hey, I gave you these talents. What would you do with them? I buried it in the ground because I knew that you were a harsh man. Yeah, cool. I'm going to take it and give it to the person that invested. God's coming back to settle accounts. And this, is, this particular story, he's coming back to settle the account of forgiveness. The account of forgiveness is this. Jesus Christ forgave me of things that are incomprehensible. He's canceled debts that I could never pay. How dare me hold up somebody that owes me a dollar? How dare me not forgive somebody after all I have been forgiven? That's the, that's the entire story here. So the king comes to settle accounts, and as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Scholars argue over what that means. We'll just call it a lot of money. Uh, or technical term, bajillion dollars. So he owes a bajillion dollars. And since he was not able to pay it, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Do you realize that selling your wife and children is not going to pay back a bajillion dollars? I'll say it another way. Your wife and children can't get you into heaven. <laughs> when he comes to settle the account, he's not asking, hey, uh, welcome to heaven. Where's your wife and kids? I know that she was really harsh to be married to, but, uh, you know, she's not here. When we settle the account, it's a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the Father. This isn't a group therapy time. This is him sitting down with me, heart-to-heart, man-to-man. What did you do with it? What did you do with what I gave you? The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master, listen to this. This is step one in forgiveness. He took pity on him. How many of you were able to find pity on the person that offended you? It's a hard thing to do. He took pity on him. He canceled the debt and let him go. This is beautiful. The Greek word for forgiveness, do you know what it means? Cancel the debt and let somebody go. 
Jesus is teaching them directly here. Like, hey, you want to forgive? This is what you got to do. You got to cancel the debt and you got to let him go. Remember, he owed a bajillion dollars. So the question is, is how much would it cost you to get into heaven? Do you have enough to pay for it? Why not? Sure, I don't have a bajillion dollars. Surely your good deeds are enough. Weren't you a good man? And Oh, he was such a great man. The broad road is filled with great men. The narrow road is filled with those that have received the cancellation of the debt and have chosen to cancel other people's debts. You cannot do anything to pay for this. You, there's not enough money in your bank account to pay for heaven. The only way we get there is through Jesus Christ. It's his grace, it's his glory, it's his mercy, it's his pity on us that would cover up our debt. Only Jesus, that's the only way to get to heaven. But then the servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. By the way, that's just a few months wages. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. I'll never get remarried. That's what I heard when I read it, like, oh, wow. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Some of us don't want to forgive somebody because they owe us an apology. They owe us an I'm sorry. Watch this. Father, forgive them for they know not. Jesus didn't wait for the apology. He brought the apology to them. He brought all the forgiveness before they were ready. They don't know what they're doing. Some of us have had parents, boyfriends, spouses, teachers, Boy Scout leaders that did things that they didn't know any better about because it was done to them. The cycle of molestation happens because somebody was molested first. They didn't know any better. They were six years old and the innocence of heaven was plucked right out of them. Do you feel that? Man. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back everything. Sound familiar? Same thing he said, right? What's the difference between God, what's the difference between Jesus and, and this man? Jesus canceled the debt, right? What, what happens next in the story? Be patient with me, I'll pay it all back. He refused, instead he went off and had the man thrown in the prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Unforgiveness is so obvious that people around you want to tell on you. Unforgiveness is so apparent that people want to go and tell the father, like they're still holding on to this. They're still gripping tight to, I owe them something. It's the servants that tell on him. He didn't even have the gumption to go confess himself. So what happens? The master called the servant in and he says this, you wicked servant. Sounds a lot different than well done, faithful servant. What do you want to hear, you wicked servant or well done? <laughs> well done comes by living a life of forgiveness. Well done comes by living a life of repentance. Well done is taking the things he's given you and investing them back into his kingdom. Well done is taking the word of God and making it transformative and not just informative. You wicked servant is knowing the word of God and never choosing to do anything with it. All of hell wants you to be unforgiving. <laughs> That's funny, Lord. The Pharisees knew every word in the book, but they couldn't live by it. That's great that you know the word. It's time to apply it. 
You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. My very first prayer as a, drunk, a, a drunken drug addict atheist was this, God, if you're real, save me. That's how I started my journey in the kingdom of, if you're real, save me. He cri- you cried out to me and I had mercy on you. Do you know that the Bible says that mercy triumphs over judgment? In James chapter 2, it says that mercy is greater than judgment. Do you know that Micah 6 says that God requires us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with Him? Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? If there's one thing you could do today that would just blow my mind would be to pause with the Father and say, I cried out to you, how much did you cancel for me? How many bajillion did I owe you? And then listen to him. It's already canceled. It's already done. And all he says in return is, shouldn't you have, paid, shouldn't you have been like me? Shouldn't you have forgiven your servant the way I forgave? God bless you. Verse 34 In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. In his anger. How many of you have read this before and realized that the Father's heart is angry when we hold on to unforgiveness? Yeah. There's a condition to the Word of God. He is angered by us holding on to a debt that he's already forgiven. And because of that, he hands them over to the jailers to be tortured until they pay back all they owe. There's a torture that comes from unforgiveness. We bottle it up inside of ourselves and we're hurting ourselves. Forgiveness is ours to set us free. This is the job of forgiveness. Verse 35, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Unless you forgive from your heart. I've never preached a more serious message in my life. This is, this is critical. The will of heaven is that we would bring heaven here on earth and heaven is made up of forgiveness. You know there's no sin in heaven? It's perfect. Revelation 21, he wipes away every tear. It's gone. There's no more suffering, no more pain, no more agony. It's a place of perfect joy. Can we make an agreement today that we want to bring heaven here on earth and that we're going to forgive? Can we make an agreement today that 1 Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record of wrongs and I'm going to love my neighbor by not holding them accountable for all of their wrongs but letting them go? Can we make that agreement today? I realize that this isn't easy stuff, but I also realize that the Holy Spirit allows me to do hard things that I can't do myself. I also know that the spirit of the living God that's inside of me who raised Christ from the dead has given me power to do these things. So today, I pray that all of us would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to forgive those who have really hurt us. Especially those that hurt us bad, deep. Those wounds that are really festering. Can I just pray today that we would be bold enough to let those bandages be applied by Jesus himself. 
Some of you are sitting there saying, I don't have a whole lot to forgive. That's probably true. Jesus didn't rebuke the prodigal son. He rebuked the older brother. Just saying. All he wants us to do is come home. He wants to lavish us with his robe, get out the fat heifer, put on the ring, and let's go. Let's celebrate because my son who was lost has come home. He was blind and now he sees. Can we just give it up for the Lord that he wants us to forgive like he forgives? Can we give it up for the Lord? This is what he wants. This is the will of heaven here on earth that we would forgive. I'm a... I'm going to lead us in communion, and then Jess is going to come up here, and we're going to play some music. There's going to be a prayer team up here. I said this to the last service. I'm going to say it to you, too. Please don't leave today foregoing the opportunity of coming to the altar to receive from the Lord. He doesn't, there's no pulpit in heaven. There's an altar. Come to the altar today and receive from the Lord. Cry. If you want to stay in your seat, stay in your seat. But I'm going to lead us in communion. Thank you, Jess. And then Jess is going to talk, and uh, we're going to get a little music going. And I beg you to come up here and let the prayer team speak the words of everlasting life into you. Deal? Good? Father, I thank you for this bread of life right here. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Back to the verbs. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. God, we repent for the times that we hungered for something other than you. We repent for the times we tried to fill our bucket with something other than you, Jesus. And right now we take of this bread in remembrance of everything that you have done, Lord Jesus Christ. You buried the sins once and for all, and we receive this life-giving bread right now in the name of Christ. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. and father on this day of pentecost we remember that you were brutally slain that you were the unblemished lamb that did not deserve this but because the father in heaven is just and righteous and because you are faithful you came and said i will be the propitiation for sin i will stand in the gap and i will take on all of their wrath And because of the wrath that you endured on the cross, you shed this blood, and this blood has bought us a ticket to heaven, and we drink it right now in remembrance that every sin that we have committed, past, present, and future, is covered by this blood in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the bride of Whitewater Crossing Christian Church. I thank you for the opportunity to stand up here and share your word. But most of all, I thank you that you have given us a forgiveness that cannot be purchased. That you have canceled a debt that no man could pay. (laughs) I thank you that when they ran to the tomb to see the failure of Christ, they saw the victory of Christ. I thank you, Lord, that it's in your resurrection that we find life and power. It's in your resurrection that you've gone forth and blessed us with an eternal resting place. It's in your resurrection, Father, that you have given us the power to forgive. Hmm. Can I say something else? Do you mind? Do you guys mind if I say something else to you? you? Are you okay? I really feel like I need to share this because I'm sitting here listening to the Holy Spirit and I want to be obedient. 
Five years ago, six years ago, I had a ministry. We were running around the world, changing lives, seeing people get out of wheelchairs and walk, and it became all about me. In that process, I cheated on my wife. I almost got divorced. God took the ministry and buried it. And he said, I'm going to humble you, servant, and I'm going to teach you this, and your wife's going to show you true forgiveness. And he, he said this to me, that the adultery is grounds for divorce, but it's not grounds for unforgiveness. And my wife ushered this in. She held us together. Remember I told you she's the anchor, she's the glue? That's why. She taught me forgiveness. She should be up here preaching this message. She showed me how to overlook an offense that was so great that she didn't have to. She had a legal right, according to the legal word of God himself, to leave my butt. And to be honest, she should have. But instead, instead, he said, watch what happens if you stick this out. Watch what I can do if you stick this out. And she's like, I don't want anything to do with that. But she stuck it out. And each day, God met her and grew her. Beautiful, right? My wife shows us forgiveness. One year later, maybe a year and a half, her sister was brutally murdered by the man she was living with, shot to death, cold blood. Shot to death right in front. The Lord, my wife and I were praying. It, was, it, was, it shocked us. I wasn't ready for this. The storms of life, are, you're never ready for the storms of life, but when they come, if you build your house on the solid foundation, the house will stand. So my wife took her Bible and chucked it across the room, and she said, I don't want any part of your kingdom if this is how it's going to be. Praise God. <laughs> I love that. It's authentic and real. That's Christianity and not churchianity. Churchianity is like, that's all right. I'm just blessed and highly favored. No, nope. you need to puke this out because you're holding on to something that's blocking the Lord from your heart. So she chucks her Bible, cusses God out a couple times because we're real. And he just said to her, I love you. I don't intend this to happen. This isn't my will. I'm sorry it happened. A couple months go by. She's still not done yelling and she was a wreck God said I love you I've loved you with an everlasting love and I will always love you and there's nothing you can do to change that fast forward a couple years she finally gets to the point where she's like you know what I think I'm ready to try to forgive this guy his name's Rockford she said I'm going to try to forgive him Lord but I can't my, my heart's not ready remember we just read forgive with your heart and the Lord will forgive you she said I can't do it he said that's okay open your mouth let the words come out of your mouth and your heart will catch up. So she starts to confess these things like, Lord, I, I don't want to forgive him, but your word says I should, so I'm going to try it. And then she forgives, and then she forgives. And eventually, the Lord is so, he's so amazing. The heart caught up. And this is how you know that you've forgiven somebody from your heart. I'm going to give you this as a walk away, and then I'm going to call you up here. When you forgive somebody from your heart, you can look them in the eye, you can love them. You can bless them. You can actually bless them. About a year and a half ago, my wife was praying, and she's like, Father, I forgive the man who shot my, my sister, and you know I can't say his name still, but I forgive him. And Lord, I want, to take it, I, I want to take it a step farther today, and I want to bless him. Where he had murder in his heart, I pray that it would be filled with your perfect love, and I bless him in receiving your perfect love. 
where he had rage and anger. I pray that the peace of heaven that transcends all understanding would be in his heart, and I bless him to have your peace. And then she said this, it says in your word, Lord, that you don't want anyone to perish, but everyone to repent and come back to you. I pray that this man, Rockford, would repent and come back to you. I pray that he would have salvation and someday I would see him in heaven and I bless him in receiving this message while he's in jail. Send a messenger, Father, that he would hear your word and repent. You want to forgive somebody from your heart? You have the ability, the power, and the opportunity to bless their socks off. He doesn't even have to hear it. She's just releasing a blessing from her prayer closet. And guess what heaven does? I will honor that any day because that's bringing my will from heaven here to earth. I don't know where he is right now, but I join my wife and I bless this man that he would find eternal life through Jesus Christ while he's in prison. I bless him in forgiving himself, which leads me to the last thing, and then I'm going to get out of your way. There's three things that we do when we forgive. One, we acknowledge that we need to forgive somebody. Some of you are going to struggle to say their name. I forgive especially if this person violated you in some way. So you just release the name. And then you say, Father, I choose to cancel anything that they owe me. All the debts that you've canceled in me, I pass that on to them, and I cancel every debt they owe me. And then step three, I choose to bless their socks off. I choose to speak life into them and not death. If you want to forgive someone that's wronged you, call it out by name. Call out the offense and bring forth the blessing. I thank you for allowing me to be here today. And I'm going to call Jess up here to close us out. And uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate the, the word, Danny, very much. Spoke to our hearts. And, and I just want to encourage you uh, here today as we close out.